Okay, we're live. Welcome to Dynasty Saturday Night 5 Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast for the Going for Two Live Network. Please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review if you're listening in on audio. If you're watching us here on YouTube or the Twitch or the whatever else we're streaming on, uh, you know, uh, like, subscribe, comment, uh, all that jazz. Feed the algorithm. Uh, if you're watching on Twitter, we can't see your comments, so hop on over here uh, to YouTube and hang out with us in the chat my name is brian ford as always i'm here with my co-host josh walker josh how you doing doing great happy to have football back happy to see extreme overreactions on twitter to one game so you know we're back oh for sure yeah yeah i cannot wait for for month overreaction mondays uh this this season gonna gonna be a lot of fun right so yep. um you're I, I don't really have a team you're an atlanta fan you gotta be feeling pretty good i mean at least better than last year arrow looks up on this team no it really does and even going back before the draft i was for sure that the saints or the panthers even immediately after would be the teams to beat but i i don't know i think it's going to be a three-way tie down to the finish and be really close but i actually like the falcons chances yeah i i I mean i do too like in that division you know nine ten wins like that's that's very that's very possible uh, Jamie checking in in the chat. What's up, fellas? With the appropriate fire emoji. Always good to have you on board, Jamie. Uh, so uh, for those folks who don't know or don't remember, uh, we do lists of five as the vehicle to talk about Dynasty Fantasy Football. But tonight it's a little redrafty, I guess, because we're sort of confining our bold predictions to the 2023 season. We'll probably talk a little bit about what it means from a dynasty perspective, you know, should these things hit or whatever, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's 2023 bold predictions. And in keeping with our theme of five, uh, when each of us gives a prediction where the other one is going to, the other person is going to rate it on a scale of boldness from one to five, one being uh, not bold at all. And five being hella bold. Uh, Those are the official ratings, hella bold. Um, Anything uh, on your mind you want to talk about before we uh, get going with uh, paying the bills and and doing the uh, doing the bold predictions? Any any overreactions to Thursday or anything like that? No. If if you see anyone upset about Jameer Gibbs, just go ahead and send a trade offer. Try and get him on your team. This was kind of expected. We kind of talked about how Montgomery would probably be the lead back at least early on in the year. Mm. And that showed. So nothing too crazy. I did not, however, have you Brian saying hella on my 2023 bingo card. So oh, I say it a lot. I, I say it a lot, actually. You know, in never heard you say that. That's funny. My, my private life, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I I tried to do some of these with a little dynasty take to it, but most of these are kind of redraft. Yeah. They're all but, gut calls. Not, I mean, there's some data that backs up why I think it'll happen, but it's mostly just going with my gut on these. Yeah. Uh, I saw Kadarius Tony get traded for a 2025 third, so we're we're at that point now with uh, with Mr. Tony. I'm not really. It, it's probably someone who had Patrick Mahomes and is mad about that interception they gave him for hitting him in the helmet. Mm. 
right. Well, uh, just a uh, reminder, uh, next week, cross fingers, finally, after some scheduling uh, uh, mix-up. Well, not mix-ups, but, uh, you know, life happening and all that jazz. Uh, we're going to have Jacob Sanderson on to unpack uh, some NFL backfields um, and talk about his Hitchhiker's Guide to the to the Running Back Galaxy, as it were. So, yes, uh, please make sure you tune in, as always, next week, September 16th. Time to pay some bills. The episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, and they have it all. Best ball draft season may be over, but they've got pickums for players and teams and uh, every week they've got DFS, you know, you can do these uh, six person, uh, you know, drafts and, and those sorts of things. Right. And they're not just football. They've got every major sport. So if, you know, you're a degenerate or a weirdo like Josh and you care about uh, baseball or, or something else like that. I don't know. Are you into basketball or hockey? I just I have no time for anything these days. But but yeah, they've not got that. They've got golf. They've got all, all, all sorts of things there. So uh, why am I talking about uh, underdog? Well, not only are they our wonderful sponsor but if you are a new user at underdog and you sign up a new account at underdog uh, they will match your deposit of up to a hundred dollars if you use the promo code gf2 if you're watching here on the visuals we've got a nice shiny qr code for you go to goingfor2.com go to underdog.com or the underdog app do your first ever deposit on Underdog. Use promo code GF2, and they'll match $100 of your deposit. So you can start playing, maybe even start winning, and send us the cut, uh, a cut, because uh, we told you about <laughs> we told you about the promo code. Now, like uh, it's it's kind of good that the best ball drafts are over because I was getting a little out of control there. So. Yeah, I, I think it's just me moving. I haven't done hardly any underdog best ball drafts, so it's probably a good thing. Yeah. I don't even – like at one point, I think like out of this, my six most rostered players, four of them were rookies. And it wasn't even like I intentionally did it or it's like my dynasty brain. It's just like, you know, was, there's some value fall. there. Yeah. Yep. Fall. All right. So we have a super secret uh, – bold predictions because we did not tell each other these bold predictions they will be revealed to each other live on air so you're you're witnessing some really scintillating uh, entertainment uh tonight josh you want to start us off with your first 2023 bold prediction yeah i'll start off with the one i think is probably most likely to happen uh and i was just talking about this player he's one of my flag plants this year i'm playing him in dfs this week's john dotson and the bold prediction is that he'll finish in the top 15, maybe even top 12, and be drafted with Olave, Wilson, and other guys in his class next year in Dynasty. Uh, just think, just keep it short, I think he's just better than McLaurin. I really like Howell. I've liked Howell since last year and coming out of college. And I think that offense is going to be a little bit better than people expect, and I think the main person uh, to achieve that will be Jahan Dotson. I think especially where he's going will be the best value on the team, him and maybe Brian Robinson. Yeah, I think he's got a chance to finish top 12, top 15 this year. And if he does, that would definitely shoot him up with Olave, Garrett Wilson, all those other guys. Okay. Uh, I like it. You know, I'm a Dotson, I'm a Dotson guy. Um, you know, he, he, he is, you know, not the dynasty rankings or ADP are a reflection of, you know, what someone's assessment of what will happen just in 2023. But, you know, for the purposes of thinking about, like, where we are in the market, 
Uh, Dotson's usually in the 20s, you know, uh, as far as wide receivers go. So getting into the top 12 or 15 is certainly uh, bold. You know, it's it's a it's above market. Um, and I think also, you know, the idea that he'll be drafted along with some of the other uh, big names uh, like Alave and and all that that makes it even more bold. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna give this one I'm gonna give this one a a, a three a three out of five on the on the boldness scale. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, I like Dotson a lot. All right, so uh, let's see. Do you want me to do uh, a top fifteen wide receiver or? Yeah, let's stay on par with that. All right, so this is a parlay. Both of these players will be top 15 wide receivers, so they both have to hit for this prediction to be true, uh, and that is that both Brandon Ayuk and Christian Watson will be top 15 wide receivers in total and or points per game in basic PPR scoring in 2023. Let me tell you a little bit about why it's at least slightly bold. Uh, I have Ayuk ranked at uh, wide receiver 16 in Dynasty, and across the board on KTC and Fantasy Calc and Fantasy Pros and DTC and DLF and Bulletproofs ADPs and that sort of thing, he's going in the in the 20s, often mid late 20s, and even even wide receiver 31 in DLF rankings. Uh, so it's definitely uh, above market. We've already seen him be very good post doghouse era with uh, Kyle Shanahan. Uh, last year he was the wide receiver 17, I think, in total. Uh, PPR points and I think on a per game basis it was 23 or something like that so he he was he's already sort of uh, ascending I think he's a truer wide receiver uh, than Debo I think Debo is more of the uh, you know uh, running back wide receiver combo I think that was a better fit for Jimmy G than than for um, Brock Purdy I think I think Ayuk fits Purdy uh, a little bit better and Debo was hurt by CMC coming aboard really eating into anything that had to do uh, with with rushing. I don't think that Purdy needs as low an ADOT to succeed as Jimmy G does. So I think that favors Ayuk over Debo. And George Kittle, an aging tight end dependent on spike weeks and uh, insane TD efficiency, I believe was fourth in target share when all four were healthy. Uh, Jamie probably knows that and will and we'll pop up video, uh, fun fact that for us. Uh, in the chat, but either, either, um, either Ayuk or uh, uh, I'm sorry, either Kittle or Debo. I think we're we're fourth. Um, yeah. So uh, here, um, let's see. Uh, Jamie saying that Ayuk was wide receiver 14 last year in the chat. I went on Fantasy Pros and I believe it was I believe it was 17. So I'll 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 look that up, but. Uh, but yeah, that's my that's my take on Ayuk. You know, he's a flag plant. Uh, he made uh, uh, Kittle and uh, um, Debo both fallers for me on our last on our last episode. So it's you know that's related, right? Ayuk's a flag plant for me this year. I have him at wide receiver seventeen total in, in PPR uh, last year, as according to Fantasy Pros, and wide receiver twenty three in points per game. Jamie, just FYI, so. That's gonna so it would be a, a leap upward for for Ayuk. I added Watson to this partly just to um, poke the bear. Uh, my partner Jesse on Dynasty Fever earlier in the week we did our bold predictions episode, and he hates Christian Watson. thinks Watson is like the biggest sell in fantasy football and is overhyped. So I included him in the prediction just to 
you know, uh, mess with Jesse, but I do believe in, in Watson. Uh, I've moved him sort of up and down in that, hu- but he's always been in that huge tier, right? That like, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, wide receiver, like 19 to 30 ish tier yep. uh, that I have, you know, the, the million and one wide receiver twos. I've got him firmly at the top though, uh, at 19 now looking into it, which is right in line with KTC at 18. He tends to be in the late teens and twenties. So it's a little above market to call him, uh, uh, you know, a top 15. Uh, this is really, I think, a reflection on as I move more and more towards the bet on talent and lean into upside and ceiling, you know, approach to fantasy football. Mm-hmm. I think as the market gets sharper, there's ways to, to get an edge. And, and that is like, listen, we know volume is king, right? But now let's find like that talent that will command that volume uh, and, and maybe try to get on it early. And I think Watson's a, a strong candidate uh, uh, for that. Um, so we've talked about fantasy points and all the great data uh, that they have uh, on their website. Ryan Heath, uh, Fantasy Points, wrote a really good um, wide receiver article. Uh, and so Christian Watson's uh, Yahoo redraft IDP is wide receiver 28, <clears throat> right? <clears throat> and there's like a million numbers to talk about what we would expect from uh, Christian Watson. He was seventh best in yards per route run among all rookies since 2010. And if you adjust, if you do that, uh, uh, something called the TD adjusted yards per route run, he was uh, fifth. Uh, uh, in fact, fifth since 2007. Uh, Odell Beckham, A.J. Brown, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and one Christian Watson is number five. Um, he scored 3.1 more touchdowns uh, than he should have given the opportunity. So that's something called you know the expected touchdown differential. Uh, he led all wide receivers in high-value targets. Uh, w- among all players with over 60 targets, uh, he led in uh, expected touchdown opportunity and had and was top three in both deep target rate, which you're like, oh, wait, is he just a deep ball guy? But also inside the 10-yard line target rate of 10.4%. So that means he's more versatile than we think. He's not just a deep guy. Uh and when we look at uh, charting uh, ADOT and yak per reception, you don't always expect a guy with a long ADOT to get a lot of yak per reception. He's a monster in the upper right-hand quadrant with A.J. Brown and um, uh, who's, who's, the, uh, who's the other guy? Uh, A.J. Brown and Jalen Waddell as far as uh, that stat goes. Uh, when we look at expected versus actual fantasy points per route run, Watson's outperforming that on an opportunity basis more than Cooper Cup in 2022. Uh, it, we, we go on and on and on. Anything you look at, even his touchdown rate and his air yard share playing in a partial season was was really good, right? So when even when you take out that like per stuff, uh, the efficiency measures, and you look at totals, he's actually doing pretty good. Now, the argument against Watson is that, well, you know, downgraded quarterback, you know, he's kind of raw, doesn't run the best routes, doesn't have the best hands, had a few broken coverage plays last year, et cetera, et cetera. I think we're kind of nitpicking at a rather robust profile of a year two uh, breakout, you know, continued rise from a big athletic, you know, freak wide receiver. Yes, downgrade in quarterback, but it's not like 2022 Aaron Rodgers with the broken thumb and mailing it in half the time was all that good to begin with, right? 
Uh, and if you want to say, oh, well, Green Bay is going to be bad, he had really good numbers when it came to um, uh, when the team was trailing as well. Uh, I believe he was uh, third among uh, wide receivers in fantasy points per game while trailing, right? So, like, I know that there's reasons to, like, fade Christian Watson or at least be worried about him, right? Jordan Love question marks. You know, uh, the player himself, people have, you know, compared him to Gabe Davis and, and Chase Claypool as, like, it's, it's fun, it's going to be boom bust, and he's going to es- essentially just, you know, be one of those guys. I disagree. And so I'm, I'm saying I'm putting my chips in on Watson for 2023. And that also means um, in, in Dynasty as well, I, w- I probably had a few too many shares considering there are some question marks. So I did spin off uh, Watson and Kamara for a first and two seconds. Uh, you know, so I, I'm, I'm sort of balancing out and like hedging. But like I, I have... I have a good number of shares and I'm probably in some leagues looking to acquire more because I have a lot of faith on arrow up for Christian Watson. So both Ayuk and Watson top 15 PPR wide receivers in 2023. Yeah. Funny. I, I almost did a little parlay like this, except I was going to do Debo and uh, Ayuk both finishes top 15 top 20 but then i realized they have brock purdy as their quarterback and i just don't see that happening especially with all the other options they have they got tons of depth uh out of the five you know the players standing alone you know i'd probably do like one or two out of five but to get them both to do that especially with watson already missing a game week one yeah i'll do three out of five all right but i i like christian watson too i tried in our not a going for two staff league, I tried to uh, trade for him from Zach Pulaski, but he has an all but one dynasty team, and he said, "Oh yeah, and and he's a Packers fan, so good luck with that." Well, but also, I mean, it's hard to bet against someone who's six four and runs, you know, a four three, and he showed that he can produce last year. So it's not like Quentin Johnson coming in; we haven't seen him play. Like Watson, he there's going to be regression in the touchdown department, but he at least showed he can ball. So I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my next one, I'll go ahead, just in case Jamie has something to do. I'll hit one that'll make Jamie happy. <laughs> I'm going to say Roshan will finish as the Bears RB1, and this is without Khalil Herbert getting hurt. I think he's just a more dynamic back. I think it'll take him some time to get his legs under him, but I think his pass protection, receiving ability, and ability as a runner is just going to win out. And I think if the either – there are two scenarios where this could happen. Either they're – contending and they want their best players out on the field especially to help justin fields out mm-hmm. and i think that could be roshan or they know they're not going to like compete too much so they want to give uh roshan a chance to get out there and get some work so mm-hmm. either way i think he's going to see a good bit of third down snaps he's good at receiving he's a really good runner and i i do like Khalil herbert i'm not this isn't really anything about him it's just i've been higher on roshan from the start i've liked what i've seen so far in the preseason and stuff and i think by the end of the year he's going to be there back so I think it's it's plausible because I, I do think he he has the most, uh, if not depth of talent, breadth of talent, you know, the most well-rounded skill set in, in that backfield. Um, and, and you know, talent you will usually, uh, you know, rise to the top, right? Uh, so, so I do think it's, it's plausible. It's bold in the sense that, you know, the offense, we don't know e- with the, even with the addition of DJ Moore, 
how much it's going to move the ball and score. And it's also bold because rookies often are, you know, slow to start and are better in the second half of the year or at least post by. Um, so I will give you a let me let me add a little something to it. I think he'll go in the top 30 of running backs next year, too, as opposed to 50s where he's going now, because if he's a lead back, I mean, Chloe Herbert's going around that spot maybe a little yeah. later. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think he'll his, given his age, if he stays healthy, you know. So I think he'll go in the top 25 next year in running backs. All right. So if you're going to add that, then I'll go from like a three um, boldness to like uh, – I'll give you a 3.5. I think – yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. Because that's kind of a parlay. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Yep. All right. So you mentioned Jameer Gibbs before. Um, this is going to get some some people angry. I love Jameer Gibbs. Here comes the butt. But the bold prediction is he's going to score outside the top three rookie running backs in total and or points per game in basic PPR scoring for 2023. Um, a lot of people will just cite um, yards per route run, targets per route run, targets, right? Like, and I get that. Those are, those are often very predictive metrics, and I just use a lot of them for, for Christian Watson. But those, you know, have context. And just like there's context with Watson as far as, you know, a Hall of Fame quarterback and a small sample size or whatever to to punch holes in that case. You know, I think the argument against Gibbs it, it, for those particular stats is that at Georgia Tech, he was a big fish in a little pond. Like, you know, who else is going to give the ball to? And then at his time in Alabama uh, was when they had uncharacteristically bad wide receivers for their recent as far as their recent history goes. So, again, you know, who else are you going to throw the ball to? And then when you when you uh, peel the onion further and you look at like a think something like a 53% snap share at Alabama, hardly ever used inside the 20 for anything, especially inside the 10. Um, I know that his receiving upside is transcendent, right? And I know we probably expect him to get a good number of targets. And I know that a target is worth 2.3 times what a carry is for a running back. But there, for me, there needs to be at least a little bit of an expectation of, of, of rushing volume to, to go along with that. If we're going to say that this guy is going to be, you know, ranked as our dynasty RB two before he's even taken a snap. Right. Uh, and so I question the volume that he's going to be able to get, especially any volume with rushing. Um, and I think related to that is his size. He's not a chain. He's not Deuce Vaughn. He's a fine size for what you're going to ask him to do likely, but he's not really a fine size for, for the, for usually the type of running backs that really hit the top 24 running backs in fantasy football and PPR in the last, I think PPR in the last three years. So that's 72 different entries into the contest. I believe only three of them were below 205. Right. And so, you know, he's right at that cusp. You know, he's like a little bigger than James Cook because uh, James Cook is down at 190 now. And, you know, I just think he's, he's going to be an exciting guy. I think he's going to be a guy who we're going to like on our teams. I think he's going to be efficient and explosive. I just think in the first year, it's 
I, you know, it's some boldness, I think, to say he's going to be f- number four or lower among rookie running backs, right? Because really, like, who else besides Bijan? So that's kind of where the boldness is. That's kind of where the pl- – I gave you a little bit about the plausible case, just a little bit more about uh, why it's plausible. Um, his best shot to, to hit uh, and, and really get out front of this is with JMO out the first six games and with them developing a rookie tight end. But rookie, he's a rookie himself. And they take a while to develop. So his best shot is when he's probably going to be slowest. And we already saw in the first game, they limited his snaps. And Laporta got five catches, right? Also, um, Monty's a better pass catcher than Jamal Williams was, right? So there's less of a distinction between the skill sets than there was between Swift and Jamal Williams. Now that may lean in Gibbs' favor because he's a better runner than Swift and he'll stay on the field more. It could lean in Monty's favor too, where he'll stay on the field in some situations where we would want maybe Gibbs to be on there for long down and distance or two-minute drill or, or something like that. And also people will just hammer you over the head with who's taken in the, with the first pick, first, first, first round pick, top 12 pick. They're, they're going to use them. You know, they have a plan for them. Did you see the way the room reacted when they drafted them? I get all that, right? But the rooms can react like that because they fit their – system and that's what the lions did with the draft they were excited to get the piece that fit their puzzle that piece fitting their puzzle that they want to use is a big improvement over swift it doesn't mean it's going to be hella touches right it it does mean it's an improvement over swift see see later on in that round when they were sort of critiqued for overdrafting jack campbell but you know what he fit their system so they overdrafted him so just because you spent the, the, the number 12 pick on him doesn't mean that you're going to give him 7 million touches. Uh, it just means that he's a great fit for your team. So, you know, uh, that's why it's a little bold. That's why it's uh, a little plausible. What say you, Jameer Gibbs, outside the top three rookie running backs in scoring? Yeah, every everything you said is exactly why I was – telling everyone, please take JSN over Jameer Gibbs in, in rookie drafts. Because there's, I mean, especially with Montgomery on the team, there's a much clearer path for JSN transcending his team and being like the number one guy on the team. Like I could, even though I love DK Metcalf, I could see JSN being the wide receiver one by the end of the year. I just didn't see that for Jameer Gibbs. Because he is under 200 pounds as much shit as we gave Devon A-Chain. You know, Jameer Gibbs is a little undersized. And they had him out playing slot receiver some, but I still don't really – he might be pretty good at that. But nickel corners are not what they used to be. You don't just put your worst corner at nickel. Teams put really good corners and safeties at nickel. So I think it's going to be a slow burn, kind of like Tony Pollard. His first two years, he never surpassed 500 rushing yards, but looked good when he was out there, and he's got a shot. So I'm still, like, in on him in Dynasty, but I definitely think uh, people that own him should temper their expectations for this year. So I agree. I'm going to – I'll give it a two out of five because I was not down on Gibbs, but I kind of saw this coming, and I could see that happening. Yeah. But he's also – he was he was efficient when he got the ball, so there's going to be some big plays. So I think a few boom games might yeah. – could spike it, his value a little bit. Yeah, it depends, right? Because I think you and Jesse are with me on this one, so it doesn't seem too bold uh, to you, but I think to a lot of folks – uh, they would laugh at me. A lot of folks already have him at Dynasty Running Back too. I mean, I've got him at nine. You know, like, and and he's kind of moved up and down between like seven and eleven all off season. So, like, I just 
I mean, I'm not I'm not leapfrogging him over Saquon and CMC yet, you know, like or even mm-hmm. even Jonathan Taylor. Like, come on. I got him at 12, so yeah. I'm with you. Uh, no. All right, what's your next bold prediction for 2023? So I'm going to go with the one that's kind of similar to the one you just did, and it's someone that you really like, so it should be interesting. I'm going to say Dalton Kittencade will be the third or worst best tight end this season. And I doubled down by saying it's going to be behind Michael Mayer and Sam Laporta. And I came up with this before the Lions game on Thursday. I did this on Wednesday, but that just kind of reaffirmed what I showed. Like, yeah, there's going to be some growing pains, but he's going to be a focal part of that passing offense just because I think they'd rather throw to him than Josh Reynolds or Khalif Raymond after Amon Ra. So I think he's going to get plenty of targets. I don't know how many yards or touchdowns he's going to get. The fact that he already got five catches his first game, that's pretty encouraging. You know, besides being a Notre Dame fan, I think Michael Mayer is a perfect tight end for the NFL. I don't think he's going to get pulled off at third downs because he can't block. You know, he's got some improvement to do there, but I think he'll be good. And I just don't know who else they're going to throw to besides Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers and Hunter Renfro. So, I mean, out of those guys, I, I like – I think they have less weapons to contend with than the Bills do. And I'll touch on another person in my honorable mentions. I'll throw it in at the end. But I I just think there's more playmakers. You got Gabe Davis, who's healthy. You know, I don't really like him that much. But he was playing injured. I think he's going to have a step up. I really like Khalil Shakir. I think it's going to be him and Don Kincaid fighting out for a slot. Because they do still have Dawson Knox, who's not great, but they like him. He's going to line up in line, I think, more than Kincaid will. So, I just see a path to where he's the third best, maybe even fourth behind Musgrave if he gets a lot of looks too. Their receivers stay hurt. But it's I still have him ranked above those two guys in Dynasty, but I think this year it might be a little bit of a slow burn. Mm. I could see that. I mean, they, you know, we, all the reports were that they were playing around with creatively using him and all that <clears throat> in camp, and and um, he looked okay in, in, in the preseason, especially for a rookie. Uh, so – I think when you look at the Raiders and I look at Renfro and Jacoby Myers and Devontae Adams, right? And then I look at um, the Lions and I look at Amon Ra and Gibbs and then some mix of Josh Reynolds, Marvin Jones, J-Mo, and, you know, whatever, Khalif Raymond that they're throwing out there, right? And then I go to the Bills and I look at uh, Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, and actually, I mean, Deontay Hardy won out the slot job there. And and so, yeah. you know, which really hurt me because I like Khalil Shakir. I, you know, I could say roughly those groupings of weapons are similar in quality, mm-hmm. right? The difference with the bills that you bring up that I think is a good point is that they are, their other tight end isn't going anywhere fast. They paid him money, has a great relationship with Josh Allen, and can stay on the field for all downs. I am a Kincaid truther. I am one of the people who preached he was well worth the bet at 110 in 1.5 premium leagues, and I even took him at 1.6 in a 2.0 premium, right? Um, but I see where you're coming from. I see where this is, this is plausible. I also see where it's bold relative to the streets right uh i mean he's going off adp at like tight end six you know in startups and he's a rookie right yeah now i get that he's not really a tight end so he's gonna he's gonna buck this rookie tight end trend and that's where i think 
there's probably a, a slight hole in the theory is he's got an out where they could just kick Deontay Hardy to the curb for the oh, most yeah. part, or Trent Sherfield or whatever, Khalil Shakir, and just you're our, you're our slot wide receiver, Dalton Kincaid. So, uh, so I would say on a scale of one to five, uh, because you also specifically named the players that would come before him. Well, so, Mayer's kind of an afterthought in drafts because he's been going as like third tight ends on roster. So I would say that is a 3.5 as far as Bolt goes. No, you know what? I'm going to up it to a four. That's a four. Because you, not only are you going against the grain, but you're naming the two specific players that are coming uh, before yeah. him. So you, he could be number three, but if uh, – uh, I, I don't know. If it's uh, uh, Musgrave. Musgrave or something like that, then, then you lose. Yep. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what you lose. <laughs> I don't know what you win if you win, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So fantasy receipts. perfect segue for my tight end uh, bold prediction, and that is somewhat opposite. Um, so – I'm going to switch this a little bit from what I did with uh, Dynasty Fever because I think I reversed the numbers that I wanted to use. So at least two rookies and at least three second-year players will be top 12 tight ends in total and or points per game in one uh, in 1.5 premium scoring so that's at least two rookies and at least three second year players will comprise at least five of the top 12 we've had two good tight end classes recently 2022 i think was surprisingly good uh you know it started out as like mcbride and pray for rain and then we kind of mixed in some some dulcich and then you know like i had guys like i mean i loved jelani i had you know, likely in Bellinger and Ferguson and, you know, and, and, and people in my top 10 tight ends, but we didn't think it was a great tight end class. And I think when you look at how they showed out, how they flashed in, in their rookie seasons and how, what we expect from them moving forward and how positive and optimistic we feel about them, I'd say the 2022 tight end class so far is outperforming our expectations and, and, and was an underrated class. Then you bring in 2023 class, which was widely already considered a really good class. One of the reasons that both these classes, one turning out better than we thought and 2023 already a vaunted class, really has to do with what's going on in the NFL. Uh, from what I can tell, you know, uh, you know, NFL teams are looking to be diverse, are looking to be versatile are looking to come up with all sorts of ways to beat the defense. Take Buffalo, for example. They didn't have real good intermediate targets, which is one reason why they went and got and looked for Deontay Hardy and Dalton Kincaid. And also, they didn't really have a banger at running back, and so they added Damian Harris. So now what Buffalo is saying is, I've got an answer for too high. I've got an answer if you do this. I've got an answer if you do that, Right. And part of that diversification for in the NFL is also more use of 12 personnel, right? And, right, 
more use of what we call move tight ends, big slot tight ends, whatever you want to call them, tight ends that are really wide receiver tight ends. All of that together is really favoring these last two tight end classes, right? And so all that put together, I think we can get at least two rookies in the top 12 and at least three second-year players in the top 12 tight ends this year if you're using 1.5 premium scoring. So it's, I think, a little bold, right, because of the narrative about rookie tight end development and just tight end development in general, taking, you know, three years or, or all that jazz. Uh, it's a little bold when you look at the rankings uh, that people have for this season in particular. But I think I made a good case as to why it's also a little plausible and, and why I'm, you know, I think it's also slightly actionable to be optimistic and lean into guys like Musgrave and Likely and things like that, you know rather than take some, you know, boring tight end that we think is safer. Yeah, so at first when I was looking at it, I was looking at my rankings. I was like, this is going to be above a four. But then I also thought about how a show we talked about the tight ends. It really doesn't take much to crack the top 12. Mm -hmm. It's like 600 yards and like five touchdowns. Yeah. But I do still think it's pretty bold because that is saying that, you know, guys like, I mean, my top 12 only has two or three – uh, rookies or second-year guys in it. That means guys like Njoku, you know, Kittle, Fryermuth, even Andrews or Kelsey. Some of those guys are going to get booted out. And that's just – I see how it's plausible, but it's also kind of a bold take to me because I do like guys like Njoku, Evan Ingram. You know, Schultz was a tight end one last year. So I think there's competition, but it doesn't take much. And I could – I could see there being a pass. So I'll give that a four out of five. Hey, uh, not hey, not that bold is good, but you know, I, I was no, I'm a he's... former I'm a former straight A student, <laughs> so I, I like getting <laughs> high scores. <laughs> well, and it shows you're taking a chance. Like bold predictions, you're like Jamar Chase will be wide receiver one. It's like okay, like yeah, it's not you know. So yeah, I like it. Um, I hope folks are appreciating that we're we're not doing bold for boldness's sake. We're not just coming out here with wild bullshit hot takes. I think we're we're making the case as to why these might be plausible, right? Like it may be the 80th percentile outcome or the 20th percentile outcome for some of these players or some of these situations, right? But it's within the range of outcomes. We're not saying, you know, uh, Deion Jackson and Anthony McFarland are going to be top five running backs. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. Um, so my next two, I think, are the ones that are less likely to happen. So we'll see. Um, I'll go with this one. It's fun. It's not really Dynasty related because he's the Dynasty wide receiver one. But I think Justin Jefferson has a chance to be the first 2,000-yard receiver this year. Every single year he's improved. His yards have improved. His targets have improved. And they lost the other other – his second, like, the second wide receiver in the room is Jordan Addison, a rookie. So I think it's going to be him and Hawkinson. I think Addison's going to work his way in. And, you know, he did get shut down one or two games last year, but he bounced right back. I think he's – you know, Jamar Chase is up there between who's actually the best, but I think given the situation and lack of talent or lack of competition behind him, I, it's very – I don't – I wouldn't bet money this happens, but I could see a world where he ends up being a 2,000-yard receiver. I'm going to give this a four on boldness. Um and, and I'll explain why, right? Because, like, when we look at last year, Justin Jefferson had, had it, most of a season, not a full season, of Hawk. <clears throat> and then Osborne and Adam Thielen, right, who was, you know, kind of 
Dusty. Um, and this season, he's got a full season of Hawk. And Addison, who, while a rookie and may start slow, is not Dusty Adam Thielen. So there's actually, I think, more competition for him this year. And we would expect some regression with the Minnesota offense as far as, you know, the uh, I think they, they threw the ball second amount of attempts in the NFL last year behind Tampa Bay. And they were like uh, in a lot of back and forth one score game. Like I think the variance is going to maybe shift more towards the mean. So everything I just said is all factors working against this coming true. So therefore I think, you know, speaks to its boldness. So I would say that's a, that's a four. Yeah, that's a four for me. See, I'm always if you're if you're an elite player, I think getting help around you can just open things up more for you. Because the Absolutely. games where he did get shut down, he was getting double teamed a lot, and I just don't to stay competitive against the Vikings if Kirk Cousins is on. I don't think you can do that with Hogginson and even Addison who are. So I think that'll. I think, you know, it, it could be a downfall, but it also could help him. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. Just one of the no, more, I, more I completely agree with you. You know, mm-hmm. one thing that I'm learning more and more the more I'm into analyzing football, right, is how interconnected everything is. You know, um, we like this guy because of the offensive environment, but the offensive environment is also kind of good because he's in it, sort of thing. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And same thing with this, right? You know, the rising tide lifts all boats, etc. Um, the I and, 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 you know, having somebody there isn't necessarily a mount, another mouth to feed so much as it is a, you know, draws defense away from you and, and contributes to the overall offensive environment, right? So it can go uh, a couple ways. I think, I think why it's target competition and maybe not necessarily help is because I don't know that the pie is going to grow much. I just, I don't know that it, can grow much off of last year so like that slice has got to be like huge i think you know what i mean so yeah so i think that's why it speaks to to the boldness but but certainly certainly plausible for the reasons that that you said how many yards did he have last year 1800 he had 1809 yards which and his yards per reception were the lowest of his career so Hmm. he had 80 first downs so that's and I honestly, I think the run game is going to take a step back. I'm not, I kind of like Madison, but at the same time, he's not Dalvin Cook. Mm. So I don't, I think they're being a lot of close games and they're, I think they'll be behind a little bit. Okay. So that's also was baked into it. The run game might take a slight step back. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Go out and spend all your money on sports books, betting that Justin Jefferson will eclipse 2,000 yards. All right. So, uh, well, I got two left. I got a quarterback and a running back. What do you want me to? What do you want me to do? Uh, my next one's another receiver. So, go quarterback. Justin Herbert will be the quarterback one in total and/or points per game scoring in six-point TD scoring. Um, I have him ranked fourth in dynasty. Uh, he's four, five, six across the board in all the sites that we usually that we usually reference. Um, so why is it at least slightly bold? He would have to leapfrog some interesting names to do that. And he's not an elite rusher. Now, why is it plausible? If we look at last year, uh, he had a low A dot, 
uh, which we we think is going to increase with new offensive coordinator Kellen Moore. Um, we also think the overall offensive environment is going to be better with new uh, offensive coordinator uh, Kellen Moore. Increased production. Um, there's another wide receiver on board. As much as we are skeptical of of QJ coming out of the gates fast, you know it's certainly an improvement over just having uh, Allen Williams and and Palmer there. Last year, Justin Herbert was playing with injured ribs for a, a big chunk of the season. And I think that limited him as far as the passes he was willing to make, as far as rushing and taking hits, right? And you could see he was really, you know, gutting through a lot of, a lot of games with those, with those ribs. He also had Keenan Allen and Mike Williams missing time. And as much as we like to pick on aging Keenan Allen, when you look at his career, I believe that's the only season he really missed any significant time. Uh, you know, so we expect we we can't expect there to be that much time missed from those two wide receivers this year. Um, the offensive line continues to develop uh, well. I believe he was without uh, tackle Rashawn Slater for a while last year. Uh, on top of the the ribs, uh, he also does just enough rushing. You know, to really be in there in our top five, six QBs to begin with, he's not a, he's not a total zero with with the rushing, so he can contribute that way, which helps the case of him getting there to QB one. Uh, he had forty one combined touchdowns in twenty twenty one before you know that year last year with uh, with Lombardi, and now we we've got Kellen Moore coming in. So Justin Herbert QB one a little spicy, but I think also a little plausible. Who knows? You know, a high ankle sprain for. Patrick Mahomes, you know, a couple off weeks for Josh Allen, and, and away we go. Yeah, I, I kind of teeter with this as you went along. I, I drafted a lot of Justin Herbert, especially in redraft, because I was getting him pretty late. And even in the later startups, you get in the, like, sixth or seventh in the first round. Um, you know, a few years ago, he just – or I guess the year before last, he had – I just lost it. He had 5,000 yards and 38 touchdowns. And even last year with just Dinkin and Duncan, he had 4,725. I think if he adds, you know, even just 400 rushing yards, which he's capable of doing, he had 300 in 2021 and a few touchdowns. I think that's just going to boost his value. You know, he's going to need his receivers to stay healthy, but adding QJ really helped because if you lose Mike Williams, you still got Josh Palmer. He's not great, but he's a pretty solid guy you can go to and he's still pretty young. So, I'll give it a four out of five, and that's just because the competition ahead of him. You got Fields, Jackson. You got some guys who rely a lot more on rushing, but I think with the new offensive coordinator, there's definitely a line or an avenue for that to happen. And I really like Justin Herbert. I think he's just like pound for pound with talent. I think he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league, probably top three. When you talk about talent, he can do a little bit of everything, and he's got a really, really good deep ball and good arm. So I like it. I just It's just people in, in front of him. Quick, quick trade question. You've got a really young core in Dynasty. This is from Brittany. Uh, would you take a trade where you get Metcalf and Devonta Smith and give up Waddle and Ridley? I don't usually like trades for like this, like the same number at the same position for the same number of players at the same position. I never, I never make trades like this for for a few reasons. I probably don't do this. Well, uh, I can poke holes in all four of these players. It's kind of a wash, really. Like for me, it's like my number six wide receiver and like my number twenty-five wide receiver and Ridley. 
and then like my number 10 wide receiver 11 wide receiver in slim and my number 16 ish wide receiver in metcalf so like just based on those ranks i'm probably leaning toward the 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 metcalf side he had a lot of end zone targets that didn't end up in touchdowns last like i don't know it's just not a trade that that i that i that i would do like you know you have the you have a young core but like you know do you get any younger or older in this like uh, you get a little younger like metcalf's a little younger than ridley right but i mean smith and waddle is a wash like I just don't see a reason to really make this trade, especially when Ridley's value could go up if he balls out. Yeah, I think I think I'm keeping Waddle and Ridley just because I think Waddle's the best player in the deal. And they're like I said earlier, I think JSN's gonna slowly make his way in there and be the guy. So I think you're basically getting two guys who might not even be the, the first the wide receiver A on their team. With Tyreek getting old, Waddle could easily step in as a one. Ridley's yeah. already the one, I think. So Ridley hasn't played in a while, and I'll touch on this when I speak on my honorable mentions. Ridley could be really hard to rank moving forward because he's at an age that says he's old, but he also doesn't have that much mileage on him since he sat out so long. So I think I'll just stick with what you got and keep the best player in uh, Jalen Waddle. All right. Uh, your last uh, of your top five bold predictions. Yeah, I talked about this in the risers. I just can't can't quit the player, and that you know where I got him it won't hurt me too bad. But Tank Dell, I think, is going to be the number one receiver on the Texans, mm-hmm. and beating out Nico Collins, especially because I think he's going to be the main person he's got to compete with. So this one's simple. I just think he's a young player, so it might take some time to get going. But I think by the end year, by the year, the end of the year, he's going to be he's going to have the highest target share. I think he's going to be a little bit more productive than Nico because he can line up outside and inside. And I think it's bold because they have a lot of really good veterans. Sorry, saying that Noah Brown, Robert Woods, and Nico are going to be the starting three wide receivers. So there's definitely not a super clear path to playing time right away. But I don't have any faith in Noah Brown and Robert Woods throughout the whole year. So I think something will happen. He'll get on the field and he's going to be electric with CJ Stroud. I like it. Yeah, I think I think like you said, it, it's plausible because the competition isn't great, and he is a very good separator in, mm-hmm. in college, and you know gets the really the preseason too. Gets well. I mean, I think he made a couple plays that he's not going to make with first string, you know, defenses that aren't playing vanilla defenses, and I, I don't know. Like, I'm not really a believer. Uh, we'll get into that in a second, but you know, I think it's plausible also because. You know, we know that uh, in PPR he could get heavily targeted. We know that um, Stroud supposedly loves him. Uh, so, yeah, now the reason why it's kind of bold is that there is Nico, there is Woods, there is John Mechie there. Um, it's also bold because one of the reasons I'm not a believer is one of the reasons it's bold is, you know, uh, he's about half my weight. Uh, and, you know, that usually isn't a good hit rate, you know, for in the in the NFL. Uh, you, you know, so uh, I would say 3.5 on a, on a scale of boldness, uh, uh, for that, you know, if you were going to say that tank Dell would be like a top three, like, a, like a, like a top 36 wide receiver overall, like I'd say that was, that would probably even bolder, but you know, I think this is a, it's a, a 3.5. I was going to do that, but I think it's going to be a slow start to the year. I think they're going to get veterans out there to help Stroud, but I don't think that's going to end up working out for them well. Cause it's Robert Woods and Noah Brown. So, 
Uh, so my final uh, bold prediction, uh, interestingly enough, on the Dynasty Saturday Night 5, where we're using a bold scale of 5, <laughs> J.K. Dobbins will be a top 5 running back uh, in total and or points per game in PPR scoring in 2023. He has looked very good, explosive, often efficient, and underrated when healthy. He is further removed from uh, his injury. Uh, there are uh, other concerns around the other high-end backs. For you know, So if we take a look at who you think is going to do well in 2023, right? Um, Josh Jacobs, that could be a miserable offense. Um, uh, uh, Jonathan Taylor, who knows how many games he's going to play. Uh, CMC, they're all already talking about how much that, you know, uh, he already has a surprisingly even splits with Elijah Mitchell as far as touches go when both are healthy. And Shani, because Shani's a dick, has already talked about not using CMC uh, as much. Uh, Saquon, he's fairly safe, but, you know, a, a year older. And, you know, we don't know how great that offense is going to be with the 94 slot receivers they have besides Waller. Um, <laughs> You know, I could probably, you know, poke holes in, in, in a couple other names. You know, Derrick Henry is one year older, and we think that offense isn't going to be very good and doesn't contribute much in PPR. So there's concerns above him, right? And now we also add in the Lord and Savior, Todd Munkin, which means faster pace, more plays. It could mean more passing to the backs, in, you know, including J.K. Dobbins, who – is probably underrated, you know, as as a receiver. He's not like a great, he's not Jameer Gibbs, right? But I think he's more competent than people think. And of course, you know, as we said before, you know, with this new OC, we've probably got a rising tide lifts all boat situation. Lamar runs a little less. Uh, you know, uh, you know, there is the the concern that Munkin, besides passing to backs, likes to rotate backs a lot. Let's look at the backs that he's going to be rotating with. Gus Edwards, you know, he is what he is. He's a he's a plotter. He's a year older. I don't think he's very good for the system. Justice Hill, I'm a believer, you know, as far as like him being a, a good receiving back that can contribute, but I don't think he's going to take all that many touches away uh, from Dobbins. And then you've got out, you know, outside shot Keaton Mitchell, who you know there has been buzzy and has risen up rankings, but you know he's like what. 57187 or something like that right so i just think there's pieces coming together that are going to make this a dobbins year i'm a buyer on dobbins i'm a believer in dobbins and i think there's enough concerns with other backs that are above him and i probably even forgot a couple off the top of my head like who's safe pollard chubb who else do you really feel safe about like I, you know i don't know so um yeah uh jk dobbins top five you know, I, I'm going to have to change my rating here. I was looking at it, and there really is a pretty clear path. I have him – I have J.K. Dobbins 15th in my dynasty rankings, which I've, I I haven't really looked, but I feel like that's a little bit above market. Um, the guys in front of him that I could see dropping out, Ramondre could – you know, Zeke could vulture some touchdowns. Jameer Gibbs is not being used a ton. Javante Williams coming back from an injury. They got Piran. We don't know what Swift's going to do. You know, ETN now has Tank. Uh, Eckler is a pretty pretty good lock. Pollard's a pretty good lock. But even even Eckler might not be as many checkdowns with 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 that is, more. And that's you know, true. he's twenty eight. Maybe they use Spiller and Joshua Kelly more near the goal mm -hmm. line. I don't know. No, yeah. And then you got Brees. He's 
he's also coming off injury. I so saw him number two, but this year I don't. Right. I you don't know, have too there, you know. Bijan's a rookie. You know, they also got three other running backs that have shown to be able to produce. They used Cordell Patterson a lot in the red zone last year, too. So I don't know. He's going to be used. Yeah, that's, I'm going to give that a 3.87. Okay. I ran, the da- I ran the data in my head there real quick. All right. Uh, I was going to go I, above four, but there's, there's some question marks above him based on my yeah. rankings. So I, I like it. I love, I've talked about, it. I love Todd Munkin. I love Lamar Jackson. The only downside is maybe Jackson eating into the touchdowns, but I don't think they're going to try and run him as much if they don't need to. Like if they got JK Dobbins and Gus Edwards. He doesn't need to run as much as they've been running him, especially that I think they want to keep him healthy. So. Well, speaking of eating, I know you have some some dinner plans tonight, but you've got a couple honorable mentions for bold predictions yep. that you want to talk about. Yeah, these are going to have no explanation. I'm just going to – Calvin Ridley, I think, will finish well, – I don't think, but Calvin Ridley will finish as a top 10 wide receiver and be impossible to rank moving forward in Dynasty. And Because he already had a top five last full season he played, looked really good the season he did that he you know he didn't play a full season and i think the other one is i think gabe davis is gonna come off my shit list this year mm. it's a very small list i would probably just leave george pickens on there but i think <laughs> gabe davis is i i don't think i've been putting into account that he was not healthy and trying to go out there and produce when you're not 100 healthy especially when you you're still limited route tree but i think it does take away from some of your ability so yeah i, I think when you look i think at- he's gonna have a better year when you look at Ridley, uh, when he was wide receiver four, no Julio. And that was his only elite season. Now, yeah. I, I whiffed because one of the things that I didn't like about Amon Ra was that at the end of his rookie year, it was all coming, you know, for the most part without Swift and Hawk there. And so I had my doubts. So there is something to be said for when you're the only guy and you do do well, that you are good, right? So... You know, the age and the rust, I think it's a slight concern, but he certainly has, has looked really good. Uh, with Gabe Davis, I think he's so hated that now he's overrated. I mean, underrated, you know? Yep. And people are, are – are, I mean, he finished wide receiver 36 last year with, like, a high ankle sprain, and, yep. and now you add the fact that you've got a better running game and intermediate targets to then draw the defense's attention away and maybe open up more for, for Gabe Davis downfield – I think now he's going to be all of a sudden like, oh shit, he's we kind of shit on him too much. He's he's actually not that bad. I'm <laughs> you know, a main so, hater. Yeah, My wife yeah, tells yeah. me I'm a professional hater, and it's the easiest thing for me to do. But I think I think I got to stop. How much does the professional hater job pay? None. It gives me uh, when I'm wrong, it, I get laughed at and made fun of. But you're not you're not fed off people's angst and tears. No. no. Well, depends on the person. <laughs> Your hatred fuels me. <laughs> Are you, have you seen that Ricky Rick and Morty episode where he, they do the heist thing? That's so good. Yeah. All right. All right. So uh, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review if you're listening to the Going for Two uh, live uh, podcast audio feed. Please make sure if you're watching us here on, on the video situations uh, that you like, comment, subscribe, and all that jazz, notifications, and bing, bing, da boom, ba da boom, and, uh, and feed the algorithm. Because uh, it help it, it helps us. Uh, next week we will have uh, Jacob Sanderson on to talk all things running backs. And what's interesting is, you know, we missed him a couple times, but now we'll also be able to unpack um, Week One RB usage through the lens that we've been using to predict these running backs for the season. Um, 
going for two has a podcast for you just about every night. Uh, go to goingfor2.com for all sorts of fantasy content. Also on goingfor2.com in the bottom right is the little purple thingy for the Discord. Lots of channels, great conversations. We have our own channel. Jamie's in there showing trades that he robs people uh, in, in Dynasty. I always joke that he's playing with toddlers, but he's just really good, I guess. Uh, time for plugs. Uh, Josh, tell us where folks can find you and your work. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Rotonaut. Recently, I've really only been tweeting about the Braves and Ronald Acuna making baseball history. He's on pace now for 40 home runs and 70-something RBIs, which is absolutely insane. So that's mainly what's been taking my focus. Week one's here, though, so I'll probably start taking some uh, shitty takes onto Twitter. So you can find me there at Rotonaut. You can find my dynasty and weekly rankings on goingfor2.com once the season starts. I will be doing weekly rankings. Just put those Oof. in. So. Oh, that's a grind. That's a grind. Well, I'm, not, I'm not doing articles, so that's the least yeah. I can do, I think. Um, so Jamie says he's uh, having he had pizza for dinner and is wondering what we're eating. Uh, use, what's bulgogi meatballs? What's that? Bulgogi. It's some kind of sauce. We've been doing HelloFresh since we moved. It's a cheap way oh. to get meals without you know eating out. So I haven't tried it, so I'm about to mm-hmm. go make them. I don't think I've ever heard of that. I've heard of bolognese. I haven't heard of bogo. That's that's on next week's yeah. docket. So, uh, Jamie, uh, tonight it's kind of it's kind of late. So, if I feel like cooking, it's going to be a, a tempeh with vegetables and probably either uh, sweet chili sauce or peanut sauce, um, stir fry with uh, vegan egg rolls as well. Uh, and if I don't feel like cooking because it's late, I'll just shove a couple spoons full of peanut butter in my mouth and, uh, and, and call it a night. Uh, you can find uh, my rankings and articles at goingfor2.com. Uh, I also host Dynasty Fever uh, podcast. That's audio only at Dynasty Fever Pod. You can find me on Twitter at FFJunkie underscore where you can attack me for said bold predictions and all other mediocre uh, fantasy takes. Uh, we appreciate you staying with us all off season. We're finally here on, on, what I think is the real kickoff to the NFL season the first Sunday. I don't really believe in yeah. primetime football, but, you know, that, that, that's, that's just me. And so, you know, everybody uh, enjoy the games. If, you, if, you ha- if you're lucky enough to have time to, to kind of consume a little bit of them tomorrow, it's time for, time for seven hours of, of uh, Scott Hansen's iron bladder. Uh, and, and, yeah, so that's going to be a wrap for us. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And uh, go Irish. Scott Hansen, where's the diver? Yeah. <laughs>